Well, good morning, everyone, and uh, my condolences to U of M fans who stayed up very late last night to unfortunately feel defeat. Uh, congratulations to MSU fans, because I got to add both sides there. Um, <laughs> well, I brought something with me this morning uh, that, that is actually so special to me that I keep it in my safe at home. And every year or so, I get the opportunity to, to travel to, to Atlanta, Georgia, where it's, it's, called, it's a week-long leadership summit called Leader Mundial, and it's where about 50 to 60 men from all around the world, like 16 different countries, come to, to grow and recharge and, and learn how to better serve in the context that God's called them in. And it's something that all of us look forward to every single year because of the relationships that are built in the community that we feel. And for some of these guys, one of them's from Tonga, like this little island in the South Pacific, for, for some of these guys, it's their only chance the entire year to actually slow down and rest and recharge. And, and the week and the days, are, are, they're packed with trainings and, and teachings and coaching sessions. And most of the sessions are about 40 minutes long. And in one of the mornings, <clears throat> excuse me, the speaker spoke for about 15 minutes. About 15 minutes into the 40-minute session, he says, now for the rest of our time, I want you to go out and get alone and spend 20 minutes with God. So I, I'm looking around the room like, really? Like, I, I don't think he like prepared enough or this is just kind of filler time or whatever. But not that, the, the, not that spending time with God wasn't important, but I thought in a room full of men like that from around the world, we would have kind of had this one down already. But because I love and trust the man who is speaking, I took him up on it. So I went outside, and, and I found this quiet spot that, that overlooks the Georgia mountains, and I'm, I'm on this little white rock wall, and, and I, just, I just started to prepare my heart. And, and it, to kind of prepare my heart, I, I threw some earbuds in for, uh, for the next 20 minutes, and I, I put on this song that I, that I kind of just been playing on repeat lately, and all I said was, I'm here, Lord. I'm listening. That's all I said. And for the rest of my life, I'll never forget the words that God impressed on my heart when I finally let my guard down, when I slowed down and asked him to speak to me. And what I didn't realize is, is, is that, that my entire reason for being there this, that week was for that very moment. We spent five days, probably 20 to 30 hours total, listening to some of the most amazing speakers, the most amazing teaching, getting trained on how to be the leaders God's called us to be. But looking back at it, even though that teaching was amazing and the relationships that we were building together are going to form uh, and last a lifetime, I wasn't there for 20 hours of training. God had me there for the 20 minutes that I was challenged to spend with him that day. And I wrote the words down, and these are the words I wrote when I felt God speaking to me that day, and I, and I actually took up the challenge to take this Sabbath rest. I wrote these words down. Adam, what... Are you striving so hard to prove? Why are you striving so hard to prove something? I am the proof. Just be. I've done all the work already. Adam, enjoy it. Enjoy the freedom to be you. Exactly how I made you. Just breathe. Just be. And rest. I wrote these words two years ago. And it was one of the sweetest times I've ever had with God in my life. And I came home from that trip changed and re-energized like I hadn't been in a long time because I had no clue how out of whack my life had gotten and how, how out of whack my priorities 
had been. And that's the challenge, I think, for each of us this morning. This little notebook right here is God's reminder to me that I need to slow down and rest. And the ironic part of it is that until this week, I hadn't read it since then. So is there anyone in here this morning, anyone else in here who might be out of balance in that area lately, too much, too much doing and, and maybe too little resting, and maybe because of it you're, you're tired or you're frustrated, you don't know why, you're kind of ready for a break, or maybe just your, your batteries are just a little bit drained? Because I think if we're honest, that's a lot of us, and it, and it makes sense because we live in a culture that downplays rest, right? We, t- we take something that God calls holy and beautiful and as necessary to our lives as the air we breathe, and we call it, and the culture calls it lazy, the world calls it unproductive, and maybe even foolish. Rest has no place in our culture anymore. So I think the question that we have to answer is, is it possible that we spend more time worrying about charging our devices than we do charging our souls? And because God knows our schedule as much as he knows our hearts, he knows that you and I need to slow down for a minute and really dig into what he's saying here, not so that we can hear a halfway decent message or so that I can give one, but so that we can listen to his spirit speak and learn how to recharge our souls again. So if you brought your Bible this morning, open it up to Genesis chapter 2 because we're going to continue in our series called Origins. We've been looking at the first three chapters of the book of Genesis, chapters that are absolutely foundational to our faith. And it's interesting because if you look at it, if you look at Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 2-1, they're actually bookends of each other. They're the opening and closing accounts of the creation accounts. It's the opening and closing frames. Genesis 1-1 says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And in Genesis 2-1, it says, thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And then we watch in this beautiful space between Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2, we watch God magnificently create this incredible universe, That's that's this environment that's conducive for life, and he fills that space with vegetation and animals and land, and then the pinnacle of his creation, human beings made in his image. And once that creative work is done, what does God say? He calls it good. And in our case, in mankind's case, he calls it very good. But even though that his creative work is finished, he didn't stop there. There's still one thing left to do, one final gift to give without which life wouldn't truly be life. That gift came on the seventh day, and that gift was rest. Rest is God's gift to us, his creation. So let's look at two ways today that we can enjoy that gift and honor him with it. The first one might be kind of obvious, right? It's, it's that we were to cease from work. Look at Genesis 2, verses 1 to 2. Thus the heavens and earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he'd done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he'd done. Now, if you really take time to slow down and look at verse 2 there and the way it's worded, it's interesting because it's not what we'd expect it to say, What we'd expect it, how we'd expect it to read is on the sixth day, God finished his work and on the seventh day, he rested, but that's not what it says. It says on the seventh day, he finished his work and he rested on the seventh day. And when we understand that this sentence was worded that way on purpose, we learn something about God, we learn something about ourselves, and we learn something about his creation that can absolutely and literally reshape and change our lives. And it's right here in verse 2. It's the fact that creation itself wasn't complete until God built rest 
into it. God's work, his perfect plan, his blueprint for the universe was not finished until rest was created and set in place. And that same God who delighted in his work and called that work good took time to to rest from it and enjoy it. He didn't just stop working. No, he didn't just stop working on the seventh day. He felt great about it, so he intentionally stood back, took time out to enjoy what he made. And I think we do the same thing all the time. Think about it. Think about this. When you, when you work hard, like all day long, when you work in the, when you work in the yard or you're, you're cutting your lawn, you, know, you, 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 you step back and you finish, what do you do? When you're done with, with this hard day's work on the lawn or whatever you're doing, what do you do? Do you, We just stop and we, we run in the house, we close the door and we go to bed. No, if you're like me, if you're like most people, you realize how hard you worked all day. It might have been a hot summer day. You realize how much work you put in. So you want to take time. So you stop for a minute and you actually enjoy it, right? And it looks great. Your lawn, the lines are straight. You know, the edge is perfectly edged around your lawn. Then you got that fresh cut grass smell. And, it's, and, and all of it feels, it brings you the sense of accomplishment. It's a beautiful thing. And my kids laugh at me because I, I just did it this week. Every time that I cut the lawn, like for the next few days, every time we leave the driveway and every time we pull back in, I pull up and I'm like, man, that grass looks good, right? And they kind of like roll their eyes and laugh at me. But I think in a, in a, in a much larger scale, that's kind of how God felt when he finished his work. He goes, man, that's good. That's rest. Rest is enjoying the work that came before. And when God rested, he ordained it for us as a gift to be cherished and as a pattern for us to follow because as God's image bearers, we're expected all throughout the Bible to imitate God because just as he worked for six days and rested on the seventh, he's calling us to do the same thing because it's a gift to our souls Rest recalibrates our hearts. It recalibrates our minds. And honestly, rested people are more productive. And because God knows that we're all so quick to go our own way and try to do things in our own strength, especially work, he built Sabbath rest into the regular pattern of the life of his people. And we see that all throughout the first few books of the the Old Testament. We see it throughout scriptures. But in Exodus chapter 20 and 23, we see it where Moses kind of repeats the Genesis account. And I I want you to see what he says in verse 12 of chapter 23. He says, six days you shall do your work, but on the seventh day you shall rest, that your ox and your donkey may have rest, and the son of your servant woman and the alien may be refreshed. And I love that word. So yes, we're called to work. It says it right there. Because God's design is that the majority of our lives, we're going to be spent doing something. But we're also called to regularly take breaks in a way that refreshes and and reorganizes our lives around our relationship with God. And that flies in the face of our culture. Because if you think about it, from the time we're old enough to work, from the time we're old enough to get a job, what does the culture say? Retirement is the goal right? Work hard, work tirelessly for the next 20 or 30 years. Save every penny that you can. Save all the money you can. And one day, this one magical day, you'll finally get to enjoy your life. You'll finally get to rest. How backward and extreme is that? We don't see that anywhere in God's economy. God's pattern is one day in seven, or at least a regular rhythm built into our lives. It's not work for 30 years so you can take the next 30 off. Because what then? 
We're still inherently wired by God to do something. I heard someone say that retirement is to do more of what you love. You don't stop and coast. You actually live more. So what God is saying here is that we can enjoy the gift he's given us today so that we don't lose ourselves in our work and end up burned out and not knowing who we are at the end. And I think that's the second thing that rest protects us from. Our culture promotes that we find our identity in what we do. So a lot of us, you know, especially men, we try to prove ourselves and our value by working really hard. The problem is deep down that's never truly going to satisfy And my question is this, when that day comes and you're not identified by what you do anymore, are you going to be able to tell somebody who you are without telling them what you do? And when that day comes, is there going to be this crisis moment where you're left asking, who am I, what do I do now, and and what's the next chapter of my life supposed to look like? And I'll, I'll put it in my context, I might not always be a firefighter. right? I mean, I certainly plan on it, but I don't know the future, nor do I know what God has in store for me. But one thing that's always been true of me is that I've never defined my primary identity as a firefighter. So taken to another level, I deeply love Renee and our kids, but they're not my primary identity. I love being married. I love Renee like crazy most days, right? I love being a dad to Autumn and and Brooklyn and Chloe and Lucas. They're the joy of my life. But none of them are my primary identity. My primary identity, the core of who I am and and who I'll always be regardless of my career, regardless of my health situation or the life stage I'm in, or regardless of my position on this planet, rests in the truth that I'm first and foremost a follower of Jesus Christ. And as I put my faith and my trust and identity in him first and I seek his plan and his will for my life, I can live with peace knowing that who I am isn't just what I do. And when we live like that, and because our identity doesn't come from our work, we're able to step back and rest. We're able to take breaks. We're able to, to kind of stop and be refreshed because when we break that pattern, when we, when we shun that gift that God gives us in Sabbath rest, we watch our lives collapse spiritually, mentally, and, and physically. The second way we can enjoy the gift that God gives us, the the gift of rest, is to see time the way that God sees it, to take God's view of time. Look at verse three. It says, so God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he'd done in creation. And this is incredible because God does something for the seventh day that he doesn't do for any other day in creation, right? First, it says he blessed the seventh day. And then he ups the ante and makes it holy. Nowhere does it say that God blessed any other days of creation. Think about that. This time of rest that God wants us to build into the pattern of our lives is the first holy thing in the history of the world. I mean, God creates everything else in creation. All throughout, you hear this refrain, it was good, it was good, it was very good. He calls it good, but he never blesses it. He never sets any of that other stuff apart as a gift to us. The only day he does it for is the seventh day. That's an incredible truth because to to make something holy, to deem something holy is to utterly set it apart from any other thing. So the very first thing that God actually sets apart and refers to as holy is this time of rest. But because of the hectic pace of the world we live in and because we haven't learned to make it a regular pattern in our lives, we struggle with that. 
And until we submit our busyness, our ambitions, and and our restlessness, and our work to him, it's not going to get any better. So how do we do it? How can we take God's view of time and take something that he instituted in the Old Testament and kind of bridge it into our lives today and apply it to our lives? Because to me, that's the major question, right? One way is to open up our Bibles and really understand and learn what it means to follow Jesus Christ. Have you ever noticed that Jesus was never in a hurry? It's one of the things that I love the most as I watch his life throughout, throughout the Gospels. I, he's never in a hurry. If, if, you want to see, if you want to see someone with a full calendar, look at Jesus, right? Look at him. He's never in a hurry. He's never stressed. He's always full of peace. He always knows where he needs to be and where he's going. And from the time we watch him walk onto the pages of Scripture until the time that he ascends to his Father after his resurrection, he lived with purpose and with passion, and with power, from morning until night. Did he get tired? Absolutely. Right? Did he, did he, need, did he, need, did he need breaks? Of course he did, but how did he do it? He rested. He intentionally, we watch him intentionally build it into the, to the rhythm of their everyday lives. He did it in a couple different ways. One of the ways we see it in the Gospels all the time, he goes away with his disciples to rest. He goes away with the people closest to him. Like he'd send them out in the towns and villages. They'd go out, they'd do the work of the ministry and then they'd come back and nearly every time they'd get away together, right? To reflect and to reorient and recharge for their next day. And it was probably a blast too. Think about it. I think sometimes we, we read scripture and we, we make it way too stuffy. I mean, Jesus had 12 of the guys he loved most in the world, 12 of the guys that he's going to use to launch the the, the mission of God for the rest of of time, and he takes them away. It's, It's 13 guys. Think about that. I mean, there had to have been a ton of laughter, good food, good drink, eating, sharing all the stories that God did that day. I mean, I mean, just picture that. Imagine that. They rested in community with each other. They had fun together. And then there's also times where we see Jesus get away alone to rest. We see it lots of times, right? He would always kind of break away, even from the disciples. He'd get alone to pray to his Father in solitude and in silence. And what's interesting is that both of these times are necessary for us. So I think we have to be careful of kind of pitting one against the other and putting a higher higher priority on one than the other because in America, we definitely do that. Like when you and I think about rest and when we think about vacations, what do we think about? Right? We think about the beach. We think about laughter and relaxing, fun in the sun. We think about good food. And that would be like Jesus' time with the 12. We're not thinking about planning a vacation where it's reflection and solitude because that's way too quiet for us. It's, it's not as exciting. Instead of that, we need to look at rest as a both and. We need time and community with each other and time alone with God. Because, but yet, because prayer and reflection and silence is a discipline, most of our muscles are, are really, really weak in this area because we all know how to plan a vacation, right? We'll spend hours planning that thing. All the websites, all the travel stuff, we know how to enjoy ourselves and live life to the fullest when we plan it. We can really kick back. And there's rest and there's peace in those times, but unfortunately, most of us miss out on the other side of it because, because here's why. Turning off our devices, turning off our phones, 
Quieting our hearts and experiencing solitude is really, really tough to do. It's almost painful, like it's uncomfortable. We don't want that, we don't like the silence. And because of it, we tend to avoid it. So we need to take God's view of time. I don't think anybody would argue that time is our most precious commodity. We can't get more of it, and every moment that goes by just, just goes away. Our lives revolve around time, and we all, knowing, we all know it. And, and as that, our first priority naturally is to maximize it, to squeeze out every drop of the day that we can. And that's what we do. It's, it's like we're in this big race against the clock every day for some reason, yet throughout all the scriptures, God's kingdom is an upside-down kingdom, and he flips it on his head because his view of time is so counterintuitive to our own. He's the one who said in Isaiah 55, my way of thinking is completely different than your way of thinking. As far as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and so my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And he asks us to trust him in that because it's natural for us to think about, the, about time the way we do, especially in a culture and a world that glorifies work. Right? Our, our culture glorifies busyness and results as priority number one. The world says work and work and work. But God says work and do it with all your heart. Do what I've called you to do with excellence so that people see me in you. So yes, absolutely work. But build in rest too. Rest in me and then go back out and work. God's not asking us to rest from our work. He's asking us to work out of our rest. Because like I said, rested people are more productive people. Rested people are more creative people. Rested people have more margin for relationships in their lives. Rested people can handle more of the detours that come their way that they didn't expect in life. And I think most of all, rested people are free people. And that's what Sabbath is. It's a declaration of freedom in our lives. When we take that time to stop, what we're really saying is we're not slaves. We're not slaves to what the culture expects us to do. We're not slaves to what other people think we should be doing or what we should have or what we should own. We're not slaves to our own insecurities, always trying to prove something by, by working harder and longer hours. And it's a really, really good way to remember that we're not the ones that keep the world running. Like if we take a day off, if you take a day off from work, the world is going to go on, believe it or not. We're not the ones that hold our lives together. God is, and it's a great illustration for us to do. I got news for you. You can't be the best version of you until you're rested and complete in Jesus Christ. You can't get the results you're working so hard to get because you're not complete. You can't be the mom God's created and called you to be. You can't be the dad you know you want to be. You can't be the student or the friend or the brother that you want to be unless you're complete in him. You definitely can try, but you're going to be doing it on your own strength. And man, let me tell you, our strength is so limited. I don't think I have to prove that to anyone. But God's is infinite and inexhaustible. And right here in Genesis 2, he's telling us this morning that there's a, there's a well, there's an inexhaustible well that we can draw from every moment of every day as we follow him. So when we feel burned out or when we feel frustrated or we feel like something's just off or we're, we're, like our, we're unsettled lately, we don't know why, you can run to him, the author of rest, 
And as I thought about that this week, there was a story in the Gospels that kept coming to my mind and coming to my mind that I couldn't shake. It's in Luke chapter 10, and it's a story of these two sisters that Jesus was really, really super close with. And then one day, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. He's going to head to, to Jerusalem to be crucified, and he stops in Bethany. And he stops at this house where these two sisters, Mary and Martha, are. And, 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 and Martha, this surprise visit by Jesus, she does what we'd all do, right? She's, she's getting things ready. She's cleaning. She's cleaning the toilet. She's, she's prepping for dinner. She's getting it all ready for Jesus to stay. I'd do the same thing because it seems like a noble thing to do, right? She's running around the house. But then she gets frustrated, and she kind of complains to Jesus because she's running around cooking and cleaning and prepping and getting the house all ready. And then she peeks her head in the other room and she sees her sister doing nothing. She sees her sister like in the other room just sitting there at the feet of her Savior enjoying time with him. So what does she do? She says something to Jesus. Like she pipes up. It's like, Lord, I'm doing all the work around here. And she's just sitting around. Tell her to come help me. And then Jesus says some of the most powerful words I think ever uttered. He looks at Martha, and, he, and, he, and, and knowing her heart, right, knowing that her desire is good to do, she wants to make this place look great for him and, and make the stay good and be hospitable and do her part. He knows it's a really good thing that she's focusing on. And he says, Martha, you're upset with all of these little details. And then he says this, there's only one thing worth being concerned about, and Mary has found it. That kept coming to my mind, and I think I know why. Because I've had a Martha heart, right? I've had a Martha spirit, but if you ask me, I'd tell you I was more like Mary. I'd be like, yep, I love, I'm in love with Jesus, spending time with him, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. But my daily life proves otherwise, right? Some of us are screaming inside. We want to be more like Mary, but we've been spinning our wheels to figure out how. Well, God's showing us right here today how to do that. Mary took a Sabbath rest that day. Maybe it wasn't for the entire day, and that's okay too. Even if it was just for a few moments, she put everything aside, even at the risk of, of a messy house, quieted her soul, rested her in a relationship with her Savior. And like Jesus said, she was concerned with the one thing that's worth being concerned about. Every part of her life, every part of her soul and being were focused on him. And thinking through it, I thought with all of my heart, I'm going to be more like Mary. Sabbath rest built into our lives is the way to do it. So that brings up a great question. Are we as Christ followers on this side of the cross still required to keep the Sabbath day, right? Setting aside one specific day of the week to, so we can rest and focus on God. The answer is no, because Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament law, and he himself said that man wasn't made for Sabbath. Sabbath was made for man. And Jesus said, I'm Lord of the Sabbath. So it's not just about Sunday or one day a week, and that's so important for us to realize and kind of hold on to this morning because the rest that God established, the rest that God blesses and makes holy and promises here in Genesis chapter two is always available to us, always on this side of the cross because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because of the gospel, he made a way for us to have rest anytime, in any context. Jesus is our Sabbath rest. 
It's not confined to a day. It's an ever-present reality, no matter how chaotic or how busy life gets. And I know that sounds great theologically, right? But what does it actually mean for you and I in 2017 when we walk out these doors in a few minutes and, and our life hits that bullet train pace again? But here's what I've come to understand. The chaos of your life and the chaos of my life is not gonna slow down anytime soon. It's not. I mean, for our family alone, just this weekend, Friday through today, our calendar has seven soccer games on it. Seven soccer games, a football practice, and a football game. Not to mention being here this morning, and I don't say that as, as being a badge of honor because it's not. It's horrific, actually. I mean, sometimes I don't even know how we do it or why we do it, right? Renee's taking these two here, and I'm taking this one here, and then somewhere in there, we're calling her parents going, just do something with this one. Right? And then, and then we're calling, we're just, we, we, parents, you know what I'm talking about if you have kids and you're in that season, but, but you know what I mean. It's, it, and our season might look a lot different than yours right now, and that's okay. The events don't matter. Fill in your own season of life. Because at the end of the day, when you and I are rested and when our hearts are oriented and centered in Christ, that's when we're the best version of ourselves. And we do know why we do the things we do. We do know why our life, whether it's at home or on the field or at church or, or wherever, we do know why it looks the way it does because he is the center of it and everything else orbits around him. Jesus is our Sabbath rest. Can we please just take those five words and plant them in our souls and really understand that you and I have the opportunity right now, today, no matter how crazy life is, no matter what you're going through, to experience God's presence, to his, his power and his rest any time we choose to. So how do we get there? I think we do it in two ways. First, we, we admit right? First, we admit that we're out of balance. We confess that to God. We say, God, I, I'm, I, I, my schedule's messed up. I, I need rest. And then we find some people in our lives who are willing to hold us accountable to, to really reprioritizing and making sure that we actually build that into our lives. The second thing has to do with trust. One of the reasons I think we don't value rest is because we honestly believe that we are the ones that have to work extra hard and, and extra long hours to make sure that we have enough time and enough money to actually rest, right? We have to work to make sure that our job provides us that time and that security that we need. We have to work to make sure that, that, that we produce the type of marriage that we want or whatever you fill in the blank with. And sometimes I think we buy into this lie that if we slow down, or if we, if we do take some of that time off and we build a regular pattern of rest into our week, that somehow it's going like to turn out badly for us, right? I think sometimes we think, you know, if, if, if I take a day off from what I need to do, that's going to make me more productive, more restful, a better employee, a better mom, a better dad, a better CEO, it doesn't matter that somehow it's going to dry up my bank account. That I'm the only person in history that, that is not going to be blessed for their obedience because from cover to cover since the beginning of time, the blessing of God follows obedience. And when we say things like, well, I, I can't, Adam, I get that, but I can't do that because of my job or, or I can't do that because of my schedule or because of this season I'm in right now, what we're really saying is I don't trust God. And I know that that blessing follows obedience, but it's just not possible for me. 
It's not possible with this season I'm in. So we, what do we do? We work more. We try harder. We rest less. And the rest we're looking for never really comes because we're trying to do it on our own. And what happens is our lives get way out of balance. It's a trust issue. God gave us the gift of rest for a reason, and he's calling us to receive and truly live it out this morning. Guys, Sabbath rest is spiritual surgery. It's, it's a time where, where the potter himself can take clay that's, been, that's, that's maybe been a little hardened, maybe a little crusty, maybe from, from just life in general or some things we've been to, maybe it's because of sin or maybe it's just because of selfishness. He can reshape and remold that because the truth is sometimes we're slaves to a life and a schedule that's filled with some really great things. They're not all bad things. They're great things, but they're not the main thing. So the next time, I want us to do this. The next time we look at our calendar, let that be the acid test for you. Right? Look at your calendar. Is time with God actually scheduled in? It might sound funny, but the ironic thing is that the rest that God gives, the rest that we all need, that type of rest actually has to be planned for and pursued or we'll never do it. We're just going to keep lying to ourselves. It's got to be built in because we know our hearts and God does too. It's, and I think it's because this rest, this, this rest that's set apart and blessed by God and by God's definition is the opposite of what we do sometimes. Think about it like this. Picture, picture like a, a train at top speed coming up to its destination. Like it, it has to make the stop that it's about to make. It has to get there. But unfortunately, the, the conductor miscalculated how fast the train was going, so he, but he has to stop. He can't miss it. So what does he do? He slams the emergency brake on, and I think uh, we've all watched enough westerns, we all watch enough movies to know what comes next, right? He pulls that emergency brakes, sparks fly, brakes squeal, you see some smoke, and that train just keeps plowing forward, trying with all it's got to stop itself. But what happens is that because of its forward motion, it just keeps going for a while because there's too much weight behind it, there's too much speed to just stop on a dime and shut off when it needs to, when it hits that destination. There's way too much in motion at that point, and sometimes I think we're just like that train. We tell ourselves that, that, that th when I get to this weekend or, or that one week or, or that vacation, I'm, I'm, I'm finally going to be able to rest. I will rest when I get to that moment, but for now, I just got to work, and once I get there, I'm going to slow down and rest, and most of the time, we know it never really happens. Because just like that train, there's way too much in motion up here. There's way too much in, in motion in here to just kind of casually downshift right when we need to. It's almost impossible to turn it all off by that point. And I know we're not intentionally lying to ourselves. I know we have good intentions because we want to slow down, right? Remember my little notebook that I told you about? This, this reminder from God that, that I needed rest? I needed, like not wanted, he knew that I physically needed rest that day. And he made an appointment with me that I had no idea was on my calendar. Maybe this morning is your appointment. Because for me, I forgot how to enjoy him. I forgot how to enjoy his presence in my life. I definitely knew how to work for him. I knew how to work hard for him. But I lost that closeness. 
I took his provision and his presence in my life for granted as I fully leaned into being the, the husband God's called me to be, by being a good employee, by being the dad God's called me to be. All of those are noble pursuits. They're great things to live for. But before I knew it, I kept running and running and running, and I ran way ahead of God. And he just stayed back there waiting for me where he asked me to rest. I was so out of balance, and I knew it. I, I could feel it, right? My spirit inside was, was screaming, and I, I was exhausted, and no amount of coffee was going to perk me up because I needed rest. I didn't need more sleep. I needed rest because those are very different things. I needed inner rest, the rest that only comes by intentionally stopping and recalibrating. That day in Atlanta was a hard reset for me by God, and it was the reminder of his gift that he gave me in Genesis chapter 2. I just needed to stop long enough to hear him say it. And that's the challenge, I think, for us this morning because sermons are great and coming to church is great, but there's a purpose to it all, and if we miss it, we might as well have stayed home because God's calling us to be doers of the word, not just hearers only. And we all know there's no way in the world that you and I would purposely take a break from our everyday routine aside from this. So take some time and plan your week. Schedule in your Sabbath rest. But I'm going to warn you. I'm going to warn you right now. It's a lot harder than you think. It's a lot harder than you think when you let him do the talking. I mean, it might, might take you a few minutes to kind of slow down and get your heart ready, but all I'm asking you to do is, is listen, right? Let it be uncomfortable. Like, stretch those weak muscles. Let the silence be beautifully sweet, and whatever comes, just be. No posturing, no pride, no, like, yeah, but God, none of that. Just rest. Just take a deep breath, rest, and enjoy him, and listen. And please be open to what God's saying to you, even if time seems to drag, because it will, I promise you. Consider it a time to actually retreat and listen to his voice in your life. Believe me, I know what I'm asking you to do. I know how hard it's going to be, because talking comes easily for me, obviously. But listening does not and there's incredible power and peace that comes when you're willing to come to the Lord and say nothing other than, I'm here, Lord. I'm open. Please say to me what you've been trying to say, but I've been too distracted. I've been too busy. I've been working so much. I've been too overwhelmed with so many other things, good things. But I'm ready to hear you again. I miss you. Build in that rhythm into your life. Accept that gift. Maximize every moment, even if it's just 20 minutes in your day. And then let that 20 minutes be the launch pad for the next 20 years. God gave us all a gift this morning. He's asking us to take it. Maybe it's not a whole day. Sometimes it might be, right? But, but maybe like me, God is gonna use that 20 minutes in your life. or Whatever it is, build it in every single week. Jesus said, come to me all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will, I will give you rest. True rest starts with Jesus, and it ends with Jesus. He's already secured it for us on the cross. So let's enter into it together. We pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, we love you. 
Thank you for your word this morning that's, that convicts. Thank you for your word that challenges. Thank you most of all, Father, for the gift that you've built into the creation account. Father, thank you for the privilege that we can actually have permission from you to slow down our lives, that you're actually commanding. You made this one of the commandments. This is so important to your heart, Father. I pray that, that not only did I need it this week, but that somebody in here needed it this week. Father, help us to slow down as your people. Lord, to slow down enough to see the people in our life, to, to really flourish again, to really love again. Lord, let us build in this rest and, and, and be the, the, the men and women of God that you've called us to be. Let us walk out these doors and be changed as we go to the world around us and exclaim who you are so that they can behold you in our lives. We ask all of this in your beautiful and powerful name. Amen.